Hi, everyone. We are back from the lobby with Jack O'Donnell, a podcast with the inside track on politics from Jack, managing partner of O'Donnell and Associates, a top New York lobbying firm. I'm Joanna Passeri, Director of Communications at O'Donnell and Associates. At the mic for Jack is the newest member of our team, Alec Lewis, Vice President and Director of Campaigns. Alec comes to O'Donnell and Associates with an extensive background, including as a key player in campaigns that led to Democratic supermajorities in the New York Senate. Alec has a special guest, Dustin Zarni. Democratic Caucus Chair of the New York State Elections Commissioners Association and Democratic Commissioner of the Onondaga County Board of Elections. And they are talking about the state of elections in New York and the legislative priorities of the Democratic Caucus as we get closer to finishing the 2023 legislative session in Albany. Hi, Alec and Dustin, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Dustin, it's great to have you on the podcast. And for our listeners, you've now been the Onondaga County Democratic Elections Commissioner for over a decade. So what does an elections commissioner, Dustin, actually do for our listeners? What role do they play in our elections in New York State? So in New York State, we have the bipartisan mode of elections, which means that we have representatives from the top two political parties, uh, the Democratic and Republican parties, uh at the board of elections and this bipartisan mode actually kind of permeates throughout all boards of elections meaning that we have to have equal hiring uh in all of our positions for democrat and republican right down to the election inspectors that are there on election day now elections commissioners are the managing officers of the board of elections and many people may think oh You know, uh, when I got this job, my friends told me, hey, great job, you only work one day a year. But that's not how things go in New York. We, elections are year round. We have elections in March for village elections. We have elections in May for school board elections. In June, we have both village elections and the primary election. And of course we have the November election. And going into every election is about six months worth of prep work. Uh, to get a, all of the facilities ready, all of the machines tested, perform all the security testing, and of course, counting the votes. So th- we're always preparing for a couple of elections while we're running another one. And of course, we have to manage our voter database. Our voter database uh, in Onondaga County is over you know, 700,000 voters, about 300,000 active voters, and the rest are previous voters or purged voters. And we're always updating that on a daily basis. So we're quite busy year round. It makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people tend to think elections commissioners uh, are like the elves for Santa Claus, only really working (laughs) one day a year. But it's it's certainly very true, as you note, that elections commissioners have lots of work to do throughout the year, along with all of your dedicated staff on both the Democratic and Republican sides. But let's talk about how the enacted state budget that just recently passed played out for local boards of elections. There was bipartisan support, I know, from Democratic and Republican commissioners for capital funding of replacing aging voting equipment, along with dedicated funding for voter outreach and media campaigns and proper funding of the state board of elections. Now, the enacted budget included $15 million for local boards for new voting equipment, software technology upgrades, as well as $4 million for reimbursement costs relating to the costs for sending prepaid postage uh, for absentee ballots. So Dustin, from your perspective, how did local boards 
actually make out in this enacted budget? And how will the funding that was actually approved support the operations of local boards of elections? So in this round of the budget, we got $15 million in capital fundings that will go directly to the local county boards of elections. We actually made out quite well. We, we were seeking about $20 million, $10 million in, in uh, aid to locality funding and $10 million in capital funding. So the legislature decided to give us $15 million in capital funding because they understood that uh, right now, we are looking at bringing in the next generation of image uh, scanning machines, which is are the machines that are at the polling place that you insert your ballots to. Many counties have machines that are over 12, 13 years old, sometimes over 16 years old, and the useful life of those machines are about 10 years. So many counties over the next two years will be replacing those machines with the brand new uh, image scanning machines. There's several different vendors that are coming online and all of those machines will have better access for handicap accessibility uh, and, uh, and, and, and be faster machines to accept ballots, but also hold more ballot styles, which will make things like vote centers where you can go to any voting uh, place on election day, like you do with early voting uh, possible. Great. Um, I think that's a lot of exciting stuff to see in terms of the budget upgrades. And, you know, I think we're New Yorkers should be excited to see how local boards implement those funds, to your point, upgrade aging software that's in some cases 12 or 13 years old. So let me transition as well, Dustin, to the public campaign finance program. We've talked about it on this podcast before. So there was another piece of the enacted budget that there was $25 million in matching funds that was appropriated to support the newly launched public campaign finance program. There was an additional pot of money that was approved to support the operating costs in terms of staffing for this program. But the matching funds number of $25 million was only a quarter of what the public campaign finance board had actually voted to request for matching funds in the budget. So my question to you is, what impact do you think this smaller amount of actual matching funds that have been approved in this current enacted budget, what impact is that going to have as of now on the 2024 election cycle? Well, it won't have any impact on the, well, on the 2023 election cycle, but what you said is important. The 2024 election cycle is when this money is going to be spent. And we have another budget process that will happen before the 2024 election cycle. Uh, and I think what a lot of uh, legislators and the governor felt was that the matching funds that need to go into the program does not need to actually be appropriated till April 1st of 2024. It's more appropriate to appropriate that <laughs> in 2024. So what they did do is basically make a promise by fully funding the administrative costs of the board. They are saying, go out and hire about 50 people that are going to run this program. And we are fully funding that. And we are putting this promise of $25 million in there, which is our down payment on the public campaign finance board. And I think a lot of advocates understand that as well, uh, that you know they did not pull back on their promise. They did not hold back on hiring people. They are putting the money in there that they have to for the 2023 budget with an intention 
to put that money in there in the 2024 budget to fully fund the program when it is needed. But let's transition now to the remaining end of session. We have a few days left as of the time we're recording this podcast, several days left of the legislative session. So what are the top remaining legislative priorities from your perspective of the Democratic Caucus of Commissioners as we wrap up the 2023 legislative session? So we have a long list of legislative priorities, uh, some of which have been uh, met with this budgetary process, but we do have some legislative priorities that have not been met. And I'm not going to go into every one of them because, you know, a lot of these election bills get a little wonky, but I'm going to highlight the top six that we are pushing to try to get done before the end of session this year. Uh, The first uh, priority is a minimum staffing bill. This has already passed the Senate. Uh, It was S644, and it is now up to the Assembly to pass it, A1258. This bill will set a minimum staffing level for boards of elections. Currently, election law calls for counties to have a proper allocation for boards of elections, but it doesn't say what that proper allocation is. This will define that based on voter registration and could be a boon for up to 20 counties to get more staff going into the 2024 election. We feel this is vital as we've had a lot of election reforms over the last few years, and two thirds of the counties have responded by bringing more staff into the boards. But these other counties have not. And these uh, other board, these boards of elections will need this staff to properly enact these reforms in this 2024 presidential election that we are looking at next year. Uh, in addition, we are uh, we want all commissioners to be full-time commissioners. Uh, that has also already passed the Senate, S611, but uh, it has not yet to be passed in the Assembly, A919. If, believe it or not, you know, I talked earlier in the podcast about how this is a full-time job. There's about 16 counties upstate that have part-time commissioners. And those commissioners have told me that because they uh, feel their job is a duty, they put in enough time to try to get the job done. They end up getting paid about 5 to $10 an hour uh, because they're doing so much work for so little pay. So we believe all commissioners should get full-time pay and uh, and, and be paid for the hours that they work. And then finally, uh, a bill that has not yet passed the Senate or the Assembly, S6933 in the Senate, A4777 in the Assembly. This is a four-year term for all elections commissioners. And the reason we want this is because we don't want elections commissioners uh, to be uh, on a two-year cycle. We have a four-year political calendar uh, and and that is, uh, you know, a different election each year. You need to know different things to do those elections and institutional knowledge is very important. But it also would allow counties to stagger their boards of elections commissioners and make sure that they are not having two new brand new commissioners starting at the same time. Half the, the state is at two-year commissioners, half the state is at four-year commissioners, and we want to bring parity. All these three things, it'll make the job more palatable uh, for people that are younger or and that are looking to uh, make this a career and not just an end of their career uh, move. And we have found that a lot of our elections commissioners are gonna be retiring over the next few years and uh, replacing them in, in this environment 
is very hard, and these three bills will make it easier. The next three bills uh, have to do with uh, Board of Elections operations a little bit. We'll address schools uh, uh, having non-student attendance day on general election day. Uh, many schools already do this throughout the state, but not every school. And with school uh, shootings on the rise, uh, safety is of the utmost concern. But also, we cannot get out of schools all over the state. Many times, they're the only HAVA-compliant building that we can hold a polling place in. So we believe that the, you know, the superintendent's workshop, professional development day, that normal day that is usually around end of October, early November, we're asking schools to schedule that on the general election day. And again, most schools in New York already do this voluntarily. This will just bring everybody into compliance. And by the way, if schools are closed, those students not only can vote if they're high school students, the seniors, but they can work as election inspectors, which is something we desperately need. And by the way, you get paid to be an election inspector. And in some urban communities and rural communities, $200 for one day's worth of work is going to go a long way for those families. Uh, the final bill that uh, uh, that we're hoping to be see passed is an alteration to the manual hand count. Right now, the manual hand count is at 0.5%. Uh, if, if a race is within 0.5%, we have to count every ballot by hand. And what has shown is that the races that are going to flip leads are really between 0.25 and uh, and zero percent. So we want to focus on those and have the races that are over 0.25 to 0.5 percent have an alternative scan on a separate machine, which is what we already do for our audits at the end of the year. It's a little bit of a wonky bill, uh, but the races that are truly close as opposed to the races that are not close, as we have limited uh, personnel and limited time to perform these uh, end of election uh, procedures. I have another question that I wasn't originally gonna ask you, but I feel like I'm led to do so at this point. Since 2020, we've seen a disturbing trend of increasingly uh, folks who have lost certain elections, question the results and the integrity of the actual elections process itself. This was brewing well before 2020, but it's become more normalized uh, since Donald Trump. As an elections professional, what is your take on this trend and how does it actually impact directly elections professionals who are really overseeing and conducting the elections in, across New York State? It's dangerous. Uh, it's dangerous for many different reasons. Uh, the first reason is that it's dangerous for our democracy. Our democracy depends on people accepting election results and then finding a way to govern together. And these uh, grifters, uh, you know, and there's really no other way to call it, uh, that are purveying on people's fears uh, to say that the elections have been rigged without any evidence whatsoever are playing a dangerous game and it's it's instilling uh a lack of confidence in our system but once that is done once you instill that lack of confidence then you see that people get desperate and they start to believe that violence is an acceptable you know response to what they perceived as a rigged game and that really played out in the january 6th insurrection but it didn't just play out there. There are elections officials throughout 
the country that have experienced intimidation, that have experienced uh, lack of respect, and yes, even threats of violence against them. Some of them have left the profession uh, because, it, to be quite honest, we don't get paid that much. And we do it because we believe in the system. But if your family's being uh, threatened, if you're being doxxed online, if your salaries are being threatened, these are things that are leading people to leave the profession. But you said that this was, uh, you know, kind of a recent phenomenon. It really isn't. If you look back over the rhetoric that has been spewed by, and I have to say mostly on the right, uh, over the last 20 years about illegal immigrants voting or fake ballots or all of these things, this has been brewing to this point for a very, very long time. So we are kind of reaping uh, what we sowed back when we just poo-pooed these lies and allowed politicians to use these fake accusations to enact voter ID laws or to take polling places off college campuses or whatever voter suppression methods that they justified because of these fake uh, accusations. The only thing that will stop this from happening is for there to be electoral co uh, consequences to the people who make these claims. We have to make it so that if they're making these claims without evidence, without any justification, that they themselves and the party they represent have to lose at the ballot box in an enorming, enormous amount to make it that they cannot use this tactic any longer. And that's the only way that we're going to get our way, get ourselves out of it. We have to vote our way out. Well, thank you for your perspective. And I completely agree. It's not necessarily as recent. Maybe what feels more recent is more of the disturbing normalization yes. that increasing the increasingly these uh, re election results are being questioned. And to your point, they're often from very, very increasingly like Donald Trump type supporters or far right type fringe people. But Dustin, I can't thank you enough for joining us from the lobby today to share your unique perspective as both the Democratic Commissioner of the Onondaga County Board, as well as the Democratic Caucus Chair for the New York State Elections Commissioners Association. Uh, but let me hand it off to Joanna to close out our program. Thank you, Alec, and thank you, Dustin, for that great insight on how elections are run in New York State and really uh, across the country. Uh, your job covers a lot of ground, and it's very critical to our democracy. I appreciate your hard work. I look forward to even more improvements in our voting system. And I would just like to say, I've always been a fan of the voting machines when we would push the little levers. <laughs> oh. And you had the privacy of the curtain. If we only fan. had hours more on this podcast, I could tell you why those machines are horrible. But oh. <laughs> let me tell you, I'm just glad that we're moving on to the modern machines where we have a paper ballot backup that really can provide true results in a close race. And uh, while those machines, we all grew up on them, and I, I did too, it's time for them to be let go. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. And you can stay updated with all of Dustin's activities as an election professional and activist at DustinZarny.com. That's DustinZarny, C-Z-A-R-N-Y.com. 
where he regularly posts podcasts and writings. And stay up on the political scene with us, O'Donnell and Associates. Sign up for our Monday morning memo. It's sent right to your inbox. Subscribe on our website at O'DonnellSolutions.com. That's O'DonnellSolutions.com. And for daily updates, follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at O'Donnell and Associates. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back from the lobby.